Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 180 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I am so excited to introduce you to Elizabeth, Joseph's mom. You know, I say this all the time, but again, Elizabeth was a mom that I just felt an instant connection to, and I know that you are just going to love hearing from her. So she was another one that was recommended by a previous guest and listener. So I just want to encourage all of you, really, if you know someone you think would be a great guest, you're probably right. Have them email me or you can email me their information. I just love hearing from these wonderful, wonderful people. And Elizabeth's another one who is doing some pretty amazing work. I want to make two other little comments before we start the interview today. The first goes out to my editor, Stephanie. So I just got an email from her with one of the previous ones that she just sent back to me that that was the hundredth episode that she had edited for me. So I just want to say a big thank you to Stephanie out in Colorado, whom I've never even met. Thank you for taking a little bit of the stress out of putting this podcast together by doing that editing part for me. The other thing I want to say is to remind all of you that we are going to do at my husband Eric's request and ask me anything episode. So I've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but I want to say something again. We are going to do this Ask Me Anything. So again, if you have any questions for me, I want you to email them to Eric. His email address is eric at andysmom.com. And if you have questions for Eric, I need you to email them to me at marcy at andysmom.com. So we are going to see how much of a response we get as to how this is going to look and whether this is going to be a regular episode that we put out or something special. I'm just not quite sure because we really don't know what kind of feedback and questions we're going to get. So once we get a few and kind of know what we're facing here, then we'll figure out more of the logistics. But please feel free to start those emails. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the questions are and uh, we'll be surprised, I'm sure, at what Eric gets for questions as well. So right now, I want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Elizabeth, Joseph's mom. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I am so excited to talk to you. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's always a privilege to talk about our children. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've been chatting quite a bit before we even started recording, which is probably not good. But now you guys all get to catch up on hearing about Elizabeth. But I want to start out by just having you talk about Joseph and his really kind of amazing, miraculous start in life. So can you start there? 
Yes. Thanks, Marcy. My husband and I were married. We waited till we were 30 to have children. We had our ducks in a row. He had started his own practice. And within two months, we were pregnant with twins. And so we were elated and excited and scared. And then um, I had a very high risk pregnancy because I had very sick at the beginning of the pregnancy, like in and out of the hospital with IV therapy, just so sick, nauseated and vomiting. And at my early ultrasound at 16 weeks pregnancy, my local doctor, OB, had a hunch and felt like there might be something more to look at with the twins. And she sent us to the a larger high-risk doctor that was in the town over from us. We're in a small town. And that was a two-hour appointment. And they looked at anatomical things of both of the boys. Mm-hmm. So a twin A and twin boy. And that's when they discovered that Joseph indeed had birth defects. They couldn't verify to the degree, but they did say that he didn't have a stomach bubble. He probably didn't have an esophagus. And there was different things that would be associated with that birth defect. It was very rarely isolated. Yeah. His amniotic fluid would build up because he couldn't swallow it. And that would really put the twin other twin at risk. And so we had the option to have one healthy baby or two and just have a high risk and risk the pregnancy and risk the other twin. We immediately decided that immediately that we were going to have two baby boys and that that's what the Lord told us. And we left. And so that was the beginning of it. And we then went to labor at 28 weeks and I delivered at 32 weeks when Joseph's water did break. And he was in the NICU for two months at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, Monroe Carroll. So were you in the in the hospital then for those four weeks? I was not. Okay. Mm-mm, I was in and out, in and out. And Vanderbilt was actually two hours from our home. So, and my husband had just opened a veterinary practice, but we would drive back and forth every time I was in labor and they just tried to keep me out of labor. Yeah. And so I just, and then when my water broke, I was like, okay, here we are. And okay, this is it. No more. Stop it. We are having babies tonight. And so he was born at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Both of them were born at the hospital at Vanderbilt that night. Yeah, 32 weeks. Yeah. Well, you made it pretty far then, really. The goal was 37, but there was no way. (laughs) I feel like with the amniotic fluid issue, like. uh... And they would, they asked, you know, they could, I mean, there was a lot of procedures that could have done to reduce. Yeah. Yeah. That it would risk pregnancy. And we were just adamant that we would not do that. And we were going to have two babies. Yeah. So. Right, right, right. So they were born and then you probably discovered all that was going on with Joseph then, right? Immediately, immediately upon delivery, they tried to pass a tube into his throat and his esophagus and it stopped. So we right. knew that he had a complete esophagus. He was whisked away to the children's hospital where Jonathan was at Vanderbilt and Joseph went to children. So they were separated. Jonathan was very healthy at 32 weeks. He still needed oxygen, but no thing wrong. And Joseph had pyloric stenosis, esophageal atresia. He had multiple birth defects Yeah, and then hernias. So it required eight weeks in the hospital. And then we came home with a feeding tube. We never used it. Praise God. We brought him back and they um, removed it, but we did come home with a feeding tube. He was home before his due date. So we were extremely. Wow. Yeah. It, That's it was, really uh, amazing, actually. The Lord was, I mean, I tell you, it was right before his due date, like very close. And we were just, we were just, we just 
rejoiced and our faith was just um, multiplied and multiplied every time, you know, he would fight back and he did well. And we brought them both home together. I never left Nashville, which is two hours from us. I stayed there, Ronald McDonald house, stayed with one of my best friends and we kept Jonathan. He was discharged at two weeks. So I had the five pound two weeker, like two at two. And then um, we stayed until John Joseph could come home with us. And my husband would drive back and forth from his office. So so Joseph was really just a living miracle. He was a miracle. The doctors had said, you know, you and we, everybody has different faith and our faith um, was in Jesus and that he would be healed. And we were completely comfortable with him being healed. We did know realistically he could be healed in heaven and that would be our yeah. prayer or he would be healed on earth. And the Lord just said, yes, at that time that he would be healed on earth. He had multiple feeding tubes, chest tubes, scars. So he, he, he grew up with many scars on his abdomen under his underarm where they did a thoracotomy to deflate his lungs. And, you know, he definitely miracle and came home before his due date. So why don't you talk about the boys a little bit growing up? Interesting thing about the boys is they were born in 2007. And if the NICU didn't traumatize us and twins didn't put us enough in fear, we had our daughter the very next year in 2008. <laughs> and so, uh, we had three of them, two boys in 2007 and her in 2008. They were inseparable. Jonathan and Joseph slept together, ate together. They were in classes together. They sat by each other. They played every sport together. They would want to be by each other in class, like their desks. The teachers would get them apart and then they would move them back together because they were more distracted apart. When they <laughs> sports, they would want to be like third base and shortstop. They wouldn't want to be apart. They were super close. Their sister, Jane, she was I mean, just right there with him. She was super close to Joseph. Joseph was super spirited, super spunky. He was an advocate for all people. Mm -hmm. He was very vocal about sharing his testimony and sharing that he was healed and that God healed him and he would show his scars. So he was just a passionate kid for life, more vocal than my other two. He was fierce as a competitor, as a teammate and believed everybody could do it. Yeah. He had a sensory processing disorder and ADD from the NICU stay and prematurity. Yeah. So he did have struggles and he did have to overcome things that Jonathan and Jane did not have to overcome. He worked super hard at it to his impulse control and stuff, but he was amazing in the classroom, successful academically, played the piano, played every sport in the last couple of years of his life. They got super competitive with soccer and joined travel soccer club. There was an, the name was All In football club of Tennessee. And we just, we, we jumped right into that at the beginning and all three of the kids, the boys and Jane played competitive soccer with all in. He was fierce. Like he was definitely a fierce, yeah. tender to his grandma, empathetic, very close to his sister thought. I mean, he would say things like there's, I'm so glad you're my sister. I'm glad no one else is my sister. And so oh. they love her. And she was just part of the three and the boys shared a room and shared sports and shared classrooms never were separated. Yeah. I mean, until, um, we'll get into it later, but in the moment he passed away, Jonathan was holding him. So oh. do you want to go on and talk about that now? I can, you know, the Lord, we felt like asked us to live out our faith and the testimony that he gave us in Joseph's birth. And yeah, we did, and we just trusted God and did what we biblically believed was true, and we thought that was it. We thought that we 
the pregnancy and high risk pregnancy and the labor and delivery and the NICU stay, we just believed that that was our testimony. And we, yeah, yeah. We shared it in our faith and I, we shared it with other people with high risk kids. Yeah. I'm sure you just thought this is our story. This is it's, what that God gave. Yep. And I was sad about it because it all happened and sad for Joseph that he had obstacles to overcome, but we just gave God the glory. And on March 7th, 2020, I was away with my girlfriends out of town and my twin boys and their best friends who are brothers went to our family farm like they do. Joseph was an outdoorsman. He hunted, he fished, he kayaked, he loved sports. He was on a shooting team, like shooting traps, shooting sporting plays. He was at, he was a farm boy and he was at the farm and he was building fence. And it was just before their 13th birthday, you had said to me. It was in March and and their 13th birthday was in May and he was on the family farm and he was building fence with his best friends and his brother, um, with my, my, his grandpa who they just working on the farm and he was leaving to go meet my husband who was there to pick him up. And they got on the side by side. It's like a six passenger UTV roll. I mean, it's like a vehicle and he's driven it, driven it a million times. They have, they have, um, were they speeding? Yes. Nothing they didn't do every single day. I mean, they yeah. would speak and they were going down to gravel and the, to meet my husband to get ready to leave. So just left grandpa working and going to meet my husband and Joseph was driving and all four boys were on the front bench and he the, hit a pothole with the front wheel and it yanked the steering wheel and it flipped TV oh. over and Joseph was pushed out and the door was opened and he was trapped underneath. And he lost his life and Jonathan and the two other brothers were there and my husband was there and my dad was there and my daughter and I were not there, but, um, did they get there pretty quickly? Dad and grandpa? Oh yeah. And the the boys ran up to the tractor. I mean, they were all within running distance on the farm within a couple pastures away. So they got there and had a lift with a tractor. They had a lift to UTV off of Joseph and he had already met Jesus. Like he had already, he was already being held by Jonathan and Jonathan was holding his brother and the other two brothers were doing everything they could. And, but Joseph had met Jesus already. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. It's hard. I did not expect to have another testimony. So no, Joseph's life. No. But the Lord, nothing surprises the Lord and nothing takes him off guard. And so he had prepared our family in different ways. I mean, we were strong in our faith. We knew Joseph's salvation. He'd given his testimony in Ecuador on a mission trip. We knew exactly where our son was. And that is so comforting. It's so comforting. Yeah. Just the grieve as a mom is unbearable, yeah. but to parent and grieve yeah. is another story. So, yeah. you know, we still had two children that we loved dearly with us and identical twin and a sister. And, you know, this time doesn't stop for a child. And so we lived out our faith from the moment it happened and through depression and anxiety and post-trauma and PTSD that, you know, they experienced yeah. from the accident itself. We're three years away from it almost in March and we still are battling physical and medical things that have resulted from such the trauma that happened that day. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. It, you know, it is so comforting that we know they're in heaven and you might think 
that that would make the everyday pain better. But but it, it really doesn't. I mean, it, it makes, I look forward to the future. I've got that. But it doesn't help in that just anguish that you feel when they're just gone. They're just not there and you can't hold them, you know? I agree with you. Um, I know I live for eternity. I mean, I rejoice in the day that we'll be together again. But it's indescribable. And at times... I feel it's insurvivable. Yeah. The amount of pain and hurt, physical hurt that occurs when you when you cannot get to your child. There's no words to describe. Like I said, we're three years out and you know, I still cry and I still wonder and I can see Jonathan and Jane Smith and I I still missing from that picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I We haven't taken another family picture. We haven't done one. You know, great thing. So we have, but what we've done is we put a piece of Joseph in every picture. So the first year we had a framed picture of Joseph that we held, uh-huh. huge frame. The next year we did soccer pictures and we had the kids in their uniforms and they were gorgeous soccer pictures with their all-in uniforms on. And we had Joseph's number 11 jersey hanging in the And then... Um, his hashtag from the moment of the funeral, the community rallied and the middle school teams put the number 11 everywhere. And so all in forever 11 is the nonprofit we formed. And he, like, we just knew from that moment that we would honor him. So we did the jerseys. And then this year we did pictures with our horses and we held dog tags. So family pictures, we've not done pictures with our children with a piece of Joseph always visible is how we've handled that. Well, that's a beautiful idea. It's probably what I need to think about too, because we should do that at some point in time. It's yeah. just, it's hard. Yeah, it's just hard. But I have, you know, I'm reminded that I have two beautiful children who still mm-hmm. need the mom and yeah. try to show up. And that's not to say that I did not go through severe depression and required IVs to actually for nutrition and that I don't see a psychologist and a psychiatrist and Everybody in our family sees a psychologist. And so when I say this, that I have faith and hope, I don't want to diminish the fact that we do utilize every resource and possibility we have to return to a healthy, the best versions we can be. And, you know, that's what the Lord wants us to be. We, all of our resources in our community and our friends and our circles, we do use to try to overcome the um, anguish of losing a brother. Yeah, you know, we were talking at the beginning before we started recording. So this is another one referred to by Dixie. So thank you again, Dixie. Now she's referred a couple. But we were talking about in those first days, I had someone, a woman from the other side of the state here who had heard Andy singing on Facebook and then her son was killed. And we were each other's lifelines in a way that we would message each other. We never even spoke on the phone. We never met in person ever. It was just these little messages that when I was having a hard time or she was having a hard time or she, you know, sent me things before her son's funeral and when they were doing a, like a, they did a candlelight vigil on the on the football field for him and all of those things I remember it all so vividly because we really were there to help each other when I just felt like I just didn't know what to do I was just so lost and you kind of had that little bit of that too didn't you absolutely 100% agree with you 
you know, and Dixie, we met each other through her son, Parker was a college baseball player and we met each other through uh, actually online. I think it was maybe Facebook or anything. We started the nonprofit in Joseph pretty quickly after I lost Joseph, we came in contact and then she introduced me to another mom and the moms that lost their children. And they just so happened to be boys were my lifelines. Yeah. They were the ones that said this, that you're okay. And this is normal. And it, yes, you, you, sh- you can feel this way. And you're right. It would be in the middle of the night and I would see something. She was active and up and we would just text back and forth for very long periods of time. And I truly feel like those first few days and those months, um, the Lord put them in my life because I did not feel like anybody understood the pain I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really nice too, because when you are a person of faith and you're going through this struggle, you can, I I know I did, maybe you didn't, but I, I felt like I was so scared that feeling some of those, some of this deep, deep pain and grief was somehow going to make me like be a bad Christian that, you know, people would say, oh, he's in a better place or all of those kind of platitudes. And I would just think to myself, but I just want him here. I, even though I obviously I know that heaven is a better place. I understand that. But I really just want him here. Like for me, I want him here. And to have other, especially women of faith, be able to say, yeah, that's okay that you feel that. That's all right. That's I- not making you a bad Christian or a bad person or because you want your son and you just miss him. You know? Oh, I 100% agree with you. Um, You know, Joseph passed away on March 7th of 2020 and COVID was happened that month. And so the next next week we were isolated, like nobody could leave the house. I obviously was not going back to work. My husband owns his business, so he did have to go to work. He's on veterinarian, but COVID happened. We were super isolated. We weren't in within our church family. Now we had the community and every support we needed. We never lack support. Like there's not been a need that our family has needed that our community and our friends have not fulfilled. I have a very close group of friends who I was actually with when they got the phone call that Joseph had passed away. And those ladies, they were here today and it's been three years. So, but my point is, is sometimes I believe in there's a lot to be said and a lot of education to be done for grieving. Mm-hmm that my faith isn't measured by my loss and sorrow. You know, Jesus wept. Right. He knew Lazarus was going to rise. Like he knew, like I know Joseph in eternity. I know the, I know the other end of the story. I know this isn't the end, but I know he still wept. So when I weep, I sit in that and I feel that and I don't feel guilty for it. And I do realize that the good intentions of people and fellow believers, and I'm with you, nothing is going to be what, you know, what, what do you want? You know, all the platitudes, nothing can bring back Joseph. Nothing can bring. That's what I want. But I just remind people that, you know, even in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 53, it says Jesus was acquainted with grief. Mm -hmm. I know he understands my grief. I know he wept and I just have to remind myself personally that my feelings are valid and my emotions are valid and it's not a measurement of my faith. Right. Depression and PTSD. I'm Oh, I'm so glad you're saying that though. It's so important because other people who aren't grieving don't know that and they see us grieving sometimes and they think, ooh, you know, they, they worry about us. Oh, and it's all good intentions. Yes, yes, for sure. 
very worried. I'm sure. I mean, it took me a very, I was in a dark, dark place for a very long time. COVID being isolated. Now I could tell you a million things that people did for us. Like people put up tents in our cul-de-sac so the kids could get outside and play. I mean, wonderful community, wonderful support, wonderful church family. But again, I feel like there may be a, a society timeline on grief. Yes. There's not. Every grief is different. Every mom and dad handle grief differently. No timeline is the right timeline. It's your timeline and your feelings. And my children each grieve differently. Um, my husband grieved very differently. And we just validated that, that, you know, mommy's grief looks different. I may cry and that's, I might cry a lot. And I still cry in the car sometimes when I see things of Joseph. And it's been three years. My kids are now in high school. And I just tell them, you know, your grief looks different and that's okay. And this is how mommy grieves and it's okay. Yeah. Normalize mental health in our home. All of us have see a counselor or a psychologist still look forward to it actually. And we've just really tried to be intentional and honest and authentic with our friends and our family that medication is actually a very successful tool to help bring apart healing and counseling is probably the highest recommendation I can give anybody is to see a counselor. It's not faith-based it's, it's chemical. And so I would never ask a diabetic friend not to take insulin. So I'd never ask somebody who has depression not to take a antidepressant. And I just think that I would love to, um, just provide comfort to anybody grieving that, you know, you do what it takes to overcome your grief and be the healthiest, best version of you can be. There's going to be a line in your life from that day. In my life, there's a big line. Yeah. And there's always going to be a before. Yeah. Was when we were together in March 7th, after us, you know, there's that line that's yep. there. Yep. But I'm going to try to be the best version of Elizabeth I can be. And I'm going to trust in God and the doctors and my friends and my community. And I'm going to allow people to support me because I think we have to do that as, as a community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we aren't the same people. And I know sometimes, you know, sometimes I wish I was the same person. I know family and friends sometimes wish I was the same person, but I'm not. And that's just not reality. And I think we all just kind of have to be okay with that, that things are different now. And it's, and in some ways, I'm a better person than I used to be before. Yeah. I, I would have hated to have someone tell me that at the beginning, like this will make you better. And in fact, I remember somebody saying that to me at the visitation when I said it was an old pediatrician. And I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can be a pediatrician anymore. And he said, it's who you are. And you'll be better than you ever were before. And I thought, forget that. Like, no, I don't want to be, but I don't want this to make me better. You know, I, I just, at the time, you didn't want anything really good to come of it. I mean, I think ultimately he's probably right. And I probably am better, but you know, that's, it's hard. I agree with you. I don't, I'm forever changed. Yeah. My family's is forever different. It doesn't mean worse. It doesn't mean less. It just means, and I, I do grieve the family that we were, we're still a family of five. I tell my children, we're still a family of five. Joseph's just next door. He's in, you know, he's in heaven. I do agree that I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah. If I had not lost Joseph. And there's some things about me today that I really, really like. And there's some things about me today that I really, really wish that would be healed and the whole would be filled. Mm 
and I can talk about that later how I've how we've done that but I do agree with and I am going to speak out the that and I did not go back I'm a physical therapist and I did not return to work I actually have not returned to work and it's been three years yeah yeah my husband returned pretty quickly and that, you know, that's definitely healthy for him. But for me, I just, I needed to focus on the children in my home and I needed to focus on what made my heart complete and have joy. And that was an outreach ministry. And my joy comes from serving others. That's the happiest you'll ever see me since the loss of Joseph. So my time is filled and my heart is filled with serving others, not with my career. Yeah. That's the new Elizabeth. So, yeah. Well, why don't we talk about that? Talk about what you've done really since mm-hmm. this is a funny story soon as we lost joseph you know we had lots of community support different huge amounts of different communities trying supporting us through soccer and hunting and fishing and just um, medicine we just the churches it was just unbelievable the friends yeah. and the community i tell people i never wish child loss on anybody yeah again but i wish people could feel the love that we feel and the support that we feel. Yeah. Guys, it's that too is indescribable how much we've been loved. And I think that's the body of Christ and people who don't know Christ just showing up for us. We were trying to figure out that week that Joseph had met Jesus. You know, what are we going to do to honor him? And like we would love a foundation or some, some something to benefit from donations instead of, you know, maybe flowers and give people the option. So we asked my son Jonathan, his twin brother. We're like, you know, what do you think Joseph would like? You know, what do you think that would be good for Joseph? And, you know, 12-year-old twin brother, he said, well, we could help build a forest or maybe an indoor soccer facility that we always wanted for our club. And we we chuckled to this day because I was like, okay. And we said, we'll go with the indoor soccer facility. And at that (laughs) moment that moment it was just a it was a dream and it was what he wanted and so we did start we started a foundation and a nonprofit. literally they got it going and accounts that week and we did not build a forest we did plant some trees but not a forest and we did start a foundation joseph for like memorial foundation and it was a nonprofit. and the goal was to build an indoor soccer facility and for kids with special needs to play soccer and that's top mm-hmm. soccer. And that's a national program through us youth soccer. And we started the program in our region and it's top soccer. And now we're in year two season four, five, I think. And we had 41 children with special abilities. Oh. The top soccer program has just filled our lives. I think about the kids all the time. I have real joy on those Friday nights with them. The happiest hour of my week will be with our nonprofit with the all it's we do it under all in FC Tennessee. We do it under our travel soccer club. And so uh-huh. we are all we say we are all in and we are definitely all in. And Joseph lived his life all in. And now we serve the community all in. And it's been a beautiful way for me to heal. It's the to give love that I have this love to give that I, you know, when you have you lose a child, you just have so much love to give. Well, these children and these families are very accepting and giving back of love. And I just think when people ask me, what would you recommend? And I always start off with saying, you know, your Bible and a good psychologist. Yeah. And that's what I mean. And that's what we do. But finding purpose in your life. Yeah. And I know my son would be so happy 
And so to see us serve people with special abilities, especially since his start of life, and he would love to be involved with his soccer, travel soccer club, all in FC Tennessee. It just is the perfect world. The Lord just, and I was a physical therapist. And so I can very comfortable with children with special needs. So top soccer has just been a beautiful program for us. And we are really getting close and we are looking at plans for an indoor soccer facility. <gasps> It's taken his shooting team and his shooting club and his outdoor friends have done fundraisers for us. And we sold t-shirts and hats and decals. We've made some sacrifices as a family and changed some of our family businesses and things to build that facility for those children. Our goal is to have our son and daughter play in the facility before they graduate high school. Oh, that is just amazing. I love that. I just cry because I know my son. I know his love for others. And he would have probably jumped off that side by side if he knew that his friends would be in heaven and give their life to Jesus. And that's happened. And if he knew that he could reach so many in different communities with special needs, Joseph would be willing. He would be willing. And so I just thank our community and all of our friends. It takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to lose a child. And so I'm thankful and humbled. And I just found my joy in these children. So. You're right about taking a village. It really does take a lot of support. It does. I'd say that and people just pause and I mean it. It does take a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to lose a child. And we've talked about other child life moms and Marcy, you and I even connected tonight. I just looked at you and I was just like, I love her. And she's amazing because I know what her heart feels and I know what it, I know what that takes. And so, you know, just finding purpose through some, these children and these families have just been a joy to our family to serve others. is just the biggest blessing we've found out of this. So. Yeah. I can't say enough how vital it was for me and my healing to try to find a little bit of purpose. Yeah. Because for a long time, I felt like I, I didn't have it right. I didn't know even who I was anymore and yeah. to find myself anymore. And I was still a mom, but was I a mom of, of four kids? You know, yes. My foster son too. And, or was I not anymore? Was I really a pediatrician? I wasn't practicing. I probably wasn't that anymore. I just felt so like I just didn't have me. And, and the big thing too is I always had felt like I was a mom who happened to be a pediatrician. And you know, some people are like, they're doctors first, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And I, that never has been me. It's always been, that's been second for me. And that's why this loss too, it, it shook me so much to the core because I just felt like I didn't know who I was. Right. And it was, you know, for me, it ended up being the podcast, right? I, 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 honestly, I started looking for the podcast, looking for a podcast. I was just going to try to listen. And then I couldn't find one anywhere. And I said to my husband, and I still, to this day, I have no idea why I said this, because it's such a not me thing to say. But I said, you know, I I couldn't find a podcast. I think I'm supposed to start one. I just, it blows me away to say the words because I'm not computer savvy at all. This is, I'm actually very much an introvert. You probably would not guess that listening to me every week, but I am. I'm very introverted. I don't like being in big groups of people. 
I don't like that stuff. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. And so for the words, I think I'm supposed to start one to come out of my mouth. They weren't mine. Right. They just weren't my words. I mean, I felt like God made me say them out loud to Eric so that he would, again, start pushing me, which he did, believe me. Yes. He pushed me and pushed me, and I would be like, ah, I think actually, no, I don't know why I said that. I think that was crazy. I don't think I'm actually going to do it. And he, you know, found someone to do a website and found all these things. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, like, well, let's just record one just with you and me, just as a practice, just to see. And, you know. I listened to that one before I came on. And so that one meant a lot to me too. Your, your ministry and just talking tonight with you, just having the opportunity to talk about Joseph in a safe place where somebody wants to hear about Joseph. Yes. And doesn't feel like I'm stuck in grief or doesn't feel pity or empathy, just Mm -hmm. listening and talking about your son in a way that's positive and not worrying about what people are thinking or where you yes. are and where I am in grief has been very helpful. So thank you with that. Yeah, it is. That is true. When you talk about your child who's died, there are, in my mind, at least all these thoughts like, do they really want to hear this? Am I making them uncomfortable? What are they, you know, all of those thoughts kind of go through your head unless you're talking to another bereaved parent. And right. if you're talking to another bereaved parent, they're like, yeah, they totally want to hear Absolutely, they do. Yeah. And it's just, it's so comforting. I um, have a friend who lost a son this year, too, in October, and he was in college age. And they've been, we've become close to him and him and his wife because they understand. Yeah. I just, he wants to talk about Corbin, and I'm like, let's talk about Joseph. And um, Alice suggests he comes on your podcast. He's a great guy. And his his wife is an educator. Just so comforting to talk about your child with somebody else who wants to hear about your child. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And you know, it's funny. I'm going to, I've never said this on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure that that first one we recorded, that was the second time we ran through it because, you know, I told you I'm not very technologically savvy. I forgot to press record. Oh my gosh. Like, I thought I pressed record. We talked for an entire hour and I go to stop it and I realized, um, honey, I never pressed record. So we never even started the whole thing. But honestly, I think that was a blessing too, because when we did it again, so we immediately like, I think we went upstairs, we got a drink of water. We were up north at our cottage and then we went down and i like, okay, let's do it again. Because I think I was a little disheartened, like, you know, this was going to be in my practice and to see if we were really going to do this. And do I really want to go through all of that again? We have to tell the story again. And But we did it. And I, when I really pressed stop this, that time, my husband said, that was better. Oh, like, it, it was better the second I, time. And so it wasn't meant, that first one wasn't meant to go through. It wasn't. It's just the Lord's goodness in the middle of the valley, right? Like in the middle of the darkest valley, he's still faithful. And like, that's a good example. And I'm going to remember that too, the not pressing record, because so many times with grief, you know, it causes a lot of fog. It still causes a lot of fog in my mind, but like those things are, you know, like you, you had to do over and it's very good. I really, I mean, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed listening to your descriptions of Andy. I like actually resonated a lot with me and Joseph Oh, I know. They sound much alike, didn't they? His passion and his soccer and um, they actually did. I wanted to tell you yeah. that I was I was smiling because I'm like, well, she's going to know my son because she she lived with one also. 
time. Yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, his soccer coach spoke at his funeral, and they, they always called him the flying monkey because he was always just moving all the time. And he was like, would be arms flailing through the air like a monkey. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was just, that was just him. But yeah. Yeah, we did. And so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your ministry. I just, it does make me smile because it brings me joy to know that you're reaching other moms and dads and that they have the opportunity that I had tonight. I just thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you. And you had, you were telling me a little bit before we started recording that you've had some bigger things though than my little podcast that you were featured, that Joseph was featured on, right? We have his foundation, which is the Joseph Warlick Memorial Foundation, and that's a page on Facebook, and we update that, and that's where we have our top soccer announcements, and I, every week I do a video with all the top soccer kids at practice, and so that's that's pretty popular because they're pretty entertaining, and they're pretty fun, and then we have a website up and going like you do, allinforever11.com, and on allinforever11.com, they decided that we need a documentary of Joseph's life, and one of the churches here like it's kind of like the espn videos of people and yeah our long video and it goes back to the nurses that had him in the nicu they found his nurse practitioner she showed up at his funeral and i just fell over because i recognized her immediately and then they interviewed she was at the funeral i was getting in the truck to head to bury him and i saw her and i got out and i was like mary helen and she was her (gasps) care of him in the NICU she had seen it on somewhere Facebook that he had passed away and she oh my word. two hours and it's the first time I'd seen her since I left that hospital so she's on that video and she recounts the days in the NICU uh, his teammates talk about him his coaches talk about him we actually they took the video at the farm where Joseph spent his time with his brother and his sister and my mom and dad down my his grandparents and they videotaped a videos at the farm. So it's a really special documentary of Joseph's life and why we were all in, like what makes us all yeah. in from that video prompted a lot of people to get involved and um the website. And then that's how we started running foundations and fundraisers and his shooting club and all of our friends started raising money to help the indoor soccer facility that'll house this top soccer program for the, these kids with special needs. So. Oh, that's just beautiful. It is. Yeah. I have so much love in my heart for these kids and these families. I love my son, but I would have never known met these 40 children. Yeah. And if Joseph was with me. So I know he's happy. And I know that I know that we're, you know, I feel comfortable, comfortable that I'm doing what the Lord has asked us to do. So. Well, and it's funny, too, when you think about it that way, right? I, I think about the amazing people that I have met um, since Andy died that I wouldn't know today. And that makes my heart a little bit sad to right. think about you know, lots of the moms that I've done support group with or just all these, all of this that I've kind of learned. And that would, I mean, that, that has given me a lot. Right. So it is, it is amazing. It's so hard. It's so hard. You know, I go about the scripture that um, God will bring good out of every situation. And actually I never knew people when we resurfaced from COVID like it was a, you know, we were in um, isolation right after Joseph passed yeah. away. I treasured because I just had my family and everybody felt 
like that was a bad situation for our family to be so isolated that it was actually very, very good for us. Mm-hmm. And then, but I developed social anxiety clearly because I didn't know what to say because it'd been a year and I'm just now seeing people again. Yeah. But our, my psychologist and I, we had to come up with a statement that I could say because when you see people and their face changes in their grocery yeah. store, you know, no one knows what to say. I needed something to say that I knew was authentic true. And I would believe no matter what they said, no matter if they said things like you just mentioned, that was totally inappropriate and off the wall that you didn't feel was, or if they said something very comforting. So what I just said was, I believe God will bring good out of this situation. And no matter what anybody said to me, I would say, because I believe that. And like we just talked about, he is like, he's still bringing good out of our tragedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I do, um, I do have two things to offer moms and dads. Yes, we have a million. I'm kidding. But we have tons of books on grieving and grieving and a lot of gifts that people gave us. So we have multiple of the same book. Yeah, I not read those books. I was in such a fog for several, Mm -hmm. I would say over a year. It's been three that I just couldn't even read anything and retain anything. And especially the grief because listening to their grief didn't make me feel any better that your style, your child died. And so there are two things. And I think Dixie, our friend Dixie actually was the one, I'm not sure that sent me this book. And it was, it's, it's mother of all mothers. Okay. You can get it on Amazon, mother of all mothers. And it's trusting God through my greatest heartbreak was the next one. And that's lemons on Friday. So two books that I'm going to recommend or leave you with lemons on Friday. Okay. On Friday, that's Maddie. Her name's Maddie is the author. I think it's Maddie Jackson Sleckman. And she lost her husband, but she her book is very light. And it's the only book that I've completed since I've lost. And it's on loss and grief. Lemons on Friday, but it's a very light read. And she is very authentic and she's true to herself and brings you hope. And the other one is you are the mother of all mothers and a message for of hope for the grieving heart. And that's Angela Miller. And that's empowering. So that book, another mom sent me and it wasn't empathetic and pity and grief and dark. It was very empowering. Like basically mother of all mothers made me feel like I can do this and I've been chosen for this. So those are the only two that I'm going to recommend you and leave you with (laughs) because all the others I could send you a copy if you want one. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know, uh, did you get any copies of Lament for a Son? Because I got eight, eight Um, copies of the book Lament for a Son. I, I do have those and, you know, um, there's just time and a place that I've learned and, you know, we, nobody knows what to do. You know, I was just trying to breathe. I was yeah. just trying to breathe and open my eyes. So reading books was not helpful, but when I was able to read the mother of authors and the, that one by Maddie, or just, I'm so thankful for them. Cause I was like, Oh, this is a, a read about grief, but it's, I can do it. And so they yeah. were really well, and and lament for a son. The guy lives in Grand Rapids, so I think that was part of it. He oh. he lived in Grand Rapids. He taught in Grand Rapids for a while. Then he taught at Yale. He's a professor of theology, and then he came back. and And I've now met him actually. Uh, and the other thing is, is the last fall concert that Andy sang in. So that would have been ten months before he died. It was all the whole concert was on loss. Yeah. And the reading excerpts were from Lament for a Son. Oh, my uh, word. I know, which I don't think most people who gave me the book actually knew that. Maybe one or two did because I got eight copies. I mean, I, that was a lot of copies. I so what, hear- we, what we ended up doing was we went to grief support group. 
yes. and we just handed them out. Like anybody want a copy of I, Lament for a Son? Here you go. <laughs> well, I'm going to show. You, I'll show you the one because I mean, I there's only a couple books I keep by the bed, and I I do keep the Lament for on Friday. I do. Oh, good. Um, I do keep that by the bed because it's just a. It was unique, and it's just a different um, perspective on how to remember them, and you know the triggers that we all face. You know when you go through Sonic with your family, and you want to scream, "I need a cheeseburger with lettuce and ketchup." And I want to scream it still because I'm like, I need a cheeseburger because he is here. So Maddie addresses some of those triggers. Like when you get plates down for dinner, it took me forever. Yeah, I put paper plates. I tried everything because I could not just get four plates down. And yeah. she about some of the things that she saw that made hell, you know, the triggers that you see that and how she dealt with them. And those things are going to be there and they're still there. And we've been three years into it and I still see Joseph everywhere I go. Well, and it's funny too, uh, my foster son Valeriano came home a couple of weeks ago and I Adam asked him to set the table and he got out six plates. See, yeah, it's just. He got out six plates and was putting out six plates and, and, and I just like, I, I just said, we only need five <laughs> and I, you know, and then I, I, I think it just felt awkward like you forget about Andy or I you know I, I don't right. know why after four years suddenly he grabbed six plates again I mean it's been a long time to do that I feel the same way you do and um you know we've changed dining room table situations we've made benches we've done so many things to try to not see what's missing and it's very hard and it still is but like there's so much support within moms and dads sharing. Like, I just appreciate you so much. Like, it's just been very encouraging. You know, I back to the table thing. We we always had a table for six. That's just what it was. You know, they, they don't, you don't make right. tables for five very much. And so we had a table for six. And I remember when we were talking to the kids about taking Valeriano because, you know, we fostered him. He was originally from Guatemala. We found out, you know, the 17-year-old kid needed a kidney transplant. And we just felt really called to bring him into our home and I remember very specifically we we're talking to the kids about it because it was a little scary we we're bringing in a very sick young man who could die into our family of with kids and so we sat down with him and we're all at the table and I remember Andy saying well we already have a chair for him oh how beautiful we were already we were like made for to have six and so it, well, and he was a hard, I mean, before we even got Valeriano, he had his, his Bible study group, you know, praying for him and all of this stuff before we even had him here. And from the moment we got him, it was like, this is my brother who, you know, it, it just, it, he, he loved that kid. So it's just, it, it made it, I think, even a little more painful in some ways when now I wasn't setting the table for six. When... I, it's those things. It's the small things. You know, people think about you in the big moments. They think they obviously are very comforting and they, you know, they definitely support us during Christmas, Thanksgiving and on his anniversary that he met Jesus. But it's the ordering food at the fast food restaurant. It's the setting the table. Yeah, I know. Like when Valeriano's not with us, and we would go to a restaurant and get to and be able to sit at a regular table for four. Hated that. I hated it. I always wanted to have to wait for a big table. I know. And like I don't like sitting at a table for four. You know, I say four now. Yeah. No, there's five. Yeah. And 
I so badly the first several years just wanted to say there's five, you know, it's a little bit, I still don't enjoy those moments. And I still um, probably have social anxiety because, you know, life outside of our nest, I call our home, our nest is not normal. And, but I hear you like just the smallest things, you know, I can see his favorite drink and I'm just like, wow, you know, it's very hard. And us buying, we go to, we have season tickets to Michigan State basketball. And the first year I made Eric buy five tickets. Like we're not buying four. We're not. And, and what's funny is we now only buy three because our, well, our foster son never really wanted to go. So we never had more than five anyway, but then, so he would go sometimes that first year uh, or Peter would invite a friend. So we always had somebody extra going, but then, then when my daughter went to college, we went down to three. But what's funny is the ones on the one on the one side that was Andy's seat has never been sold because it's just a single and no one's ever gotten it. So I, you know, except every once in a while, there'll be a game that's really, really busy. And so then that seat will get filled. But it, it's, you know, it's still, I sit next to it and have that open seat next to me knowing that's Andy's seat. Yeah, we very similar. We were soccer fans and we have Nashville Soccer Club. NSC is our, you know, going to see. Yeah. That was our last family picture was at that soccer game. And we have similar seats. And Joseph is um, number 11 for soccer. And we are all in Forever 11 is his logo. And there's an 11 seat, right, that we sat in. And so, yeah. You know, I try to think of those are little winks from God or maybe winks from Joseph, but it's still hard. Yeah. Especially like you said, those were your, that was our family. Like we went to those games, our last family picture was at those games and, you know, walking into that stadium without him and singing the songs about him, you know, I still cry. I still cry. Yeah. So, yeah. but Jesus wept. But Jesus wept. Right. I know. See, I cling to that. And I also will cling to wrestling with God. And so in moments that I'm feeling a little bit of anger, I'm like, goodness, that's okay. That's, that's okay. God can you, totally take that. We can God lean can totally take that. Father, at any point, it says and that he's acquainted with grief and grief's a heavy word. And so when I think about that, I'm like, he knows, you know, God lost his son. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He wept and he knew Lazarus was going to rise. Even though we have hope, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to show lament. It's yeah. okay. Take your time to grieve and let everybody grieve differently. And there's no timeline, no timeline, you know, and, you know, I would do like, you know, I have my quotes, but I've shared them all, but <laughs> yeah. And I just, I mean, I mean this with all my heart. If I could be for somebody what, you know, these women in our community were for me, you know, the person to listen, my, you know, you could always read on Facebook on Joseph or like Memorial Foundation. You could send me a message there, all in forever11.com, send me a message there. You're never alone. Yeah. Not, you're going to feel like you're alone. Mornings when your children are at school and your house is yeah. quiet, you'll alone but there's going to be a mom or a dad out there that's willing to hear your story so just connect with somebody or you know reach out to us and we would love to like hear about your child well, I mean I would yep. love to hear about your child love. I would too so yep thank you so much I would listen for hours I would too <laughs> I would too I do so <laughs> all right thank you so much Elizabeth Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, 
you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.